you've been around for more than a couple of minutes, you know I talk about phone sites a lot. And the reason I do that is <clears throat> everyone knows the power of lead pages, click funnels, and all these other programs, but they don't understand the simplicity of phone sites. It's less expensive, it's easier to use, and it's a phenomenal program. So check it out. Uh, I'll have the link in the show notes below. Definitely give phone sites a shot and see how it can help you explode your business. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the New Hampshire Business Show. My name is Chris Pastrana, and today we're here with Stephen Bourne of Consuming Government. How's it going? Good. Cool. So let's get started a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, and then we will jump into the book Consuming Government. Okay. Yeah, no, so this isn't my career. It's just a hobby. Okay. So I'm an engineer with an MBA, yeah. and I'm working for in high tech. I've been in high tech most of my life. And I, when I finished my MBA, I back in 1999, I said, I live in New Hampshire. I might as well start participating a little bit more in this presidential primary stuff. And yeah. that was two decades ago. Okay. And um, where I and through the the path and my ideas and the what I came to, you know, actually the point is what's broken in this country with a democracy is the people and how do you fix the people yeah and so the book is the goal of the book is to hopefully get the people choosing to spend more of our time to better manage all the government services we buy okay and to be a catalyst to do that because we're not going to be able to vote our way out of this Mm -hmm. we've got to change yeah and so that the goal of the book about five years ago when I started writing it um, was to get to that point, and it's just come out in, in July, and um, we're just you know getting off the ground trying to get get the message across. Okay, so what do you mean by we can't vote our way out of it? So the way the system works today, mm-hmm. with the polarization, yep. everything else, and the the biggest thing is obviously the the huge amounts of money. Mm-hmm. The system works incredibly well for those with the money to keep the playing field slanted yeah and you know the, actually I start the book off today is you know what went wrong with with our the democratic equation you mm-hmm. know because I believe in what the, fa- the founding fathers created but I don't think they they really wanted it to be working the way it is now with a money-driven system and everything else and so the book talks about you know I call them boundary conditions if you ever took um, differential equations in math, it's it's a way of solving okay. non it's a way of solving yeah, nonlinear <laughs> it's a way of solving nonlinear problems. Okay, yeah, yeah. And for the math to work, you have to set up boundary conditions, mm-hmm. you know, because the math only works within those boundary conditions. Mm-hmm. And the democratic equation is like that, where it works with those boundary conditions. There, what's happened over time is those boundary conditions faded away, and the equation's gone got a muck. Yeah. And what we need to do is, you know, it, it's not going to be the same boundary conditions of in the 1700s, mm-hmm. but we need to rebuild boundary conditions so the democracy as designed can work. Yeah. And our job is to start doing those things that build bring back um the boundary conditions. Yeah. Okay. And I do agree with you on some of this. Um we'll kind of dive in a little bit and see kind of where you fall in on the political spectrum and kind of how this book addresses some of these things. But I think a lot of the problems come from a lazy population um, who just let the government kind of do whatever, they're, whatever they want. 
and I don't know where that kind of happened along the spectrum. You know, I'm only I've only been available for the last like 30 years of of that, um, and then probably even less considering I was a baby, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, there's so there's a lot going on from when the founding fathers started us to where we are now, yeah. and a lot of deteriorations and stuff along the way. Um, so yeah, so tell us a little more about so about so, this. so about that that point is you know when you know when the, the back in the 1700s mm-hmm. to vote you had to own property you also had to be white <laughs> and male yeah and, and those things are going away but the the reason of owning property is that they understood human nature enough to understand that if you weren't vested in what the people that were taking your money, what they were going to do with it, you wouldn't put in the time and the effort to manage us. And those that were going to represent represent us were to be the people that have earned our trust and respect in the community. And that's the way they viewed the democracy working because the people that you would send to Congress to send to represent you were the people you interacted, you did business with, that you know that you trusted. If there was something you didn't trust, you didn't send them into politics. But even back in 1798, have you ever read Article 10, the Right of Revolution? No. So let's 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 pull that out, um, and that was was ratified. Um, in 1798, and basically, I'm just going to read it to you. Yeah. It's in um, our Bill of Rights in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and it says, Government being instituted for the common benefit, protection, and security of the whole community, and not for the private interest or emulate of any one man, family, or class of men. Therefore, whenever the ends of government are perverted and the public liberty manifestly endangered, all other means of redress are ineffectual. The people may and of right ought to reform the old or establish a new government. The doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive to the good and happiness of mankind. So in 1798, the people in New Hampshire you know, realized there was the risk of people being in power for the sake of being power. Yeah. And doing it. And they, that's not the way it was designed. Yeah. And so now that the money is controlling the politics, that wasn't how it was supposed to work. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be for the people, yeah. by the people. And, you know, it, it says in our Bill of Rights, we have a responsibility when that happens to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so it was a known problem, a known fear back when we started the government. And what we need to do is how do we change that? And like you said, is that people are lazy. They don't get involved. So the analogy in the book is a flywheel. Like There's two. One is the way things are today. You talk to most people, well, do something. Now, most people's reaction is, it's just me. There's too much. It's too big. There's too much money. I can't make a difference. I can't fight City Hall. Yeah. It's too entrenched. They're right. It's a big, huge flywheel yeah. that's going. One person isn't going to change it. But if we all start doing a little bit, we all need, we don't have to even be going in the same direction. Yeah. All right. But we'll eventually slow that flywheel down. Mm-hmm. At first, we're not going to be able to, you know, tell we're making a difference. Yeah. But eventually, we'll be able to stop it and get it to move in the other direction. So it's going to take that kind of massive, continuous effort. Just like when you push something big and heavy, mm-hmm. you know, you got to really bear in and push hard for a while. But once you get it moving, then you can keep it going. Yeah. And so that's got to be the mentality we have, realizing mm-hmm. that we're all going to push against this flywheel. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. So I don't know where you sit on the political spectrum, but the uh, there's a lot of people, especially when money is cons- concerned, uh, money running politics, and then the actual, I guess, politics of spending money um, have kind of gotten crazy. Like you said, it's just it's yeah. all out of there. So, but there are, are there are sides that want that. If that makes sense, like they want the the spending of money and you know crazy amounts of taxation to spend. Yeah, well, so, so how do you? So, like, it go, so it goes here. You know, the picture of the book is mm-hmm. I think you're getting into you know the classic democratic approach, mm-hmm. which is the way to drive the economy is to pour money into the economony mm-hmm. and to spend. All right, I once you know, but every dollar the government spends is a dollar for opportunity for corruption, mm-hmm. and so. But even, you know, one of the, and, and I talk about this in the book, is that even if you put the put Democrats 100% in charge, mm-hmm. let them do what they want, you know, spend money, pour money in to drive the economy. Yes, it pours energy into this economic flywheel, um, but it's not going to work. But on the other hand, let's put the Republicans 100% in charge. You know, do the Republican flywheel, cut taxes, get rid of regulation, things like that. Is that going to pour energy into our economic flywheel? Yes, it's going to pour energy into that economic flywheel. Neither approach will work. And there's a couple reasons for that that we, we need to start discussing and admit to. The biggest one is that, you know, if you look at what happened to George Bush's tax cuts or what happened with the financial stimulus package, you know, the Obama administration, neither of them delivered the results that they, that they were promising us. And the, one of the biggest reasons to that is that we've always had global trade and we have our economies, but we're, the way we're connected to economies around the globe, those connections are no longer loose and flimsy, they're rigid, all right? And all those stimuluses, when we put that energy into our flywheel, it gets dissipated so much quicker out to these other economies where that spending, those jobs associated with that spending, that buying shows up around the world. So that energy that we put in from the Republican approach to the Democrat approach, yes, it does something, but it gets dissipated. We've got some other big problems. Mm-hmm. All right, it's that flywheel's going around. The business of medicine is broken. It's just sucking energy out of that flywheel. Yeah. And as long as that brake is pushing back, there's not much we, you know, <laughs> we can do because it's just pulling a disproportional amount of economic energy yeah. out of it. So it's inefficient. There are other things like crime. Crime just sucks up money, police, victims, everything else. Yeah. There's a number of things that are breaks. Anything we can do to pull back that break puts more money into our flywheel because mm-hmm. it's all about the economy. Yeah. The other things, we've got weights. The debt's a huge weight. Mm-hmm. All right. Every single revolution, we have to fight through that weight. You know, what happened in Greece is their debt was so big, their economy didn't have the energy to flight, fight through their debt. Yeah. There, are other thing, there are other weights. Like if we don't use our money for education effectively, we pour so much money, all right, that's a weight. There's a whole bunch of things that are weights. Anything we can do to reduce the weights puts more energy into our economic flywheel. Mm-hmm. Then we've got Congress. We pay people $174,000 a piece. That's just a salary. They get more if they have senior positions. That's not counting their staff or anything else. When, they, when their job is just to stop the other side from getting anything done, right? that's like sand on the axle. And there's a lot of things that are sand on that axle that's, that are just not helping. Yeah, we've got so much energy. We're such a big fly where we can fight through that sand. 
but it's not efficient. But then there are things that we choose to do, like what I do in the Rye Civic League, all right, that helps people have the information to better manage what we spend on government. That's like grease on the axle. Mm-hmm. And that helps us. And so the way the book is actually set up is it talks about what the brakes are, mm-hmm. what you can be doing locally, all right, because that's the trick. We're not going to fix this at the federal level. We're going to start locally and rebuild the skills on how to better manage our government. So what you can be doing to reduce those breaks. Just a whole bunch of ideas. I don't care. I mean, they may not ever happen. They may get evolved to something else. That doesn't matter. What matters is that people choose to do things. The weights, there are things that are sand on the axle, like all the money in politics. And then there's a bunch of examples of things, that, you know, the, the grease on the axle, what we can do to to better manage, better manage the people we elect and, yeah. and we hire and, and things that we, we can be doing. And that's the way the book is set up. Pretty cool. And there's pictures and short sections. And <laughs> <laughs> there's pictures. Yay, pictures. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. And I agree with a lot of it. Um, I mean, I haven't read it yet, so I'm sure I agree, I agree with quite a bit of it. Um, so it would be interesting to see from a practical standpoint how that would work <laughs> so it'd be fun it'd be pretty cool so yeah pretty cool so how how long has this book been out so it just came out the beginning of july okay so right now yeah so we just we got to get the word out got to get people reading about it talking about it posting yeah. on amazon and so one of the things that i want to do that um, i haven't started yet is something called like the common denominator tour yeah and so the the concept of common denominator is let's say wherever you live mm-hmm. You take somebody on the far right, the far left, put them together. There's some level of government they both agree we need to have. Start there, working together to, to ask the questions, are we getting value? How do, how do we measure value? Mm-hmm. All right, if we're paying more, how do we know we're getting more year over year? And start to build the skills, the questions on how to do that. So take like police or fire. Like, so wherever you live, is the town next door paying twice as much, or are you paying twice as much for fire and getting half the services? Yeah. Now, it's just not the budget value because of different police and fire departments. They do different things, provide different services, different quality of services. Mm-hmm. All right, but so it's our money. You know, we've got to start to figure that out. Yeah. And once we start to figure that how to do that, we can build up. So that's common denominator government. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we start there. And the common denominator tour is instead of just like throwing the book over the wall, to try to be more of a catalyst around communities. So I'd love to go to as many communities as I can and, and get a group of people, nonpartisan, I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter which political party, just people that are, are, are fed up, want to do something, and, and are willing to start to do things, or community leaders. And what I'll do is I'll start about, there's a lot of resources in the state of New Hampshire that communities just don't know about. You know, do you know about Plan New Hampshire? New Hampshire Listens, um, Citizens Count, mm-hmm. uh, New Hampshire Cooperative Extension Program. These are all programs that exist. Yeah. There's leadership in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. all right, that are all things that are in New Hampshire that are resources available to communities. Then there are all these nonpartisan groups trying to help. Um, equal citizens, no labels, um, Unite America, Americans Unite. There's lots of these groups. Yeah. All right, but what are they and, and what do they do? So the first part with me was just quickly educating one slide apiece what these groups are, how to use them, how do you engage? Because that's, that's a big step yeah. for the first people to know what's out there, how to get involved. 
And then I can talk about things from, you know, the book, things that we do in, in Rye and the, as part of the Civic League. Mm-hmm. And then there's other best-in-class examples. And as I go and I'll learn, you know, let's say, for, so Exeter did this great thing with a historical district. They put a two-page guide what the historic district is and what you need to do because it was very confusing. Yeah. That's a good example, you know, of a best-in-class. You know, other communities don't have to reinvent. Let's, you know, let's rinse and repeat yeah. <laughs> the good ideas. And so the people, whoever comes, will, will you know, they'll at least walk away with that. Then have you ever participated in listening circles? Uh, I'm familiar with them, but I don't think. So so what you do is you get the community together, and after I talk, I, I'll pose a couple questions, such as what's the most important thing you think this community should be working together on locally? What's the most important thing? Five List the top five things that you maybe the community could be working on to address national issues. And you break into small groups, they talk, they brainstorm, and then you have them come up with their top two. Then each of the groups come up with their, you know, share with the others their top two. And then we see which ones are the most common across. And so it doesn't matter which where they come up from the political spectrum. Yeah. All right, here's some things that the, the top priorities they agree should be working on. Then turn it over to the community saying, all right, what are you going to do about it? You know, how are you going to do this? And so try to create some momentum to do that. And if we start to do that, you know, we'll start to build that community again because we're so, we become so isolated. Yeah. And, you know, I was finishing reading this other book over the weekend and it, it talked about how, you know, it was an anthropology <laughs> book, but how indigenous societies where, you know, they have much less, they, but there was such a sense of community. They, they, mm-hmm. Everyone knew each other. They talked to each other. There was actually no, not very much freedom or anything else because everyone knew your business. But that sense of community where they all worked together and they knew together, you know, people don't even know their neighbors now. And so maybe that working together like that for the common dome can bring back some of that social fabric that, you know, we should have as community. Where we leave out, and we can disagree, that's fine. We can be on the opposite ends of the political spectrum, but at least let's be friendly, work together, work on a common thing, you know, the, you know like building a barn, you know, barnstorming, you know, that built community, make you feel good about where you live. Yeah. And so, you know, it just doesn't have to be through your religious affiliation, it can be just about where you live. And so, the common denominator tour would be a way of, of, you know, being a catalyst to promote what I'm hoping the book will do, which is people choosing to spend some of their time to, to manage the government services we buy. Cool. I like it. So, <laughs> Awesome. So where do people reach out and uh, get more information or reach out to you? So the, we built a website called consume.gov, mm-hmm. and um, I'm working right now on this that presentation, on the Common Denominator Tour presentation. Yep. I'm speaking at the Exeter Rotary. I'll speak at Rotaries. I'll speak at schools. So they can get through to me at consume.gov. There's also, I built a page, if you want to go hear the presidential candidates, um, you know, where to find them, where to hear them talk. Um, I put questions together mm-hmm. um, around the presidential. You know, there's a lot about how can we fix the presidential primary process. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch in there. And there's things in here about that you can be posing to the question. I'd love everyone that goes sees a presidential candidate brings one of the books. Hmm. Uh, you bring a book, let's say you and I each show up with, with the book, we obviously have something to talk about because they're never on time. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a lot of sitting around and waiting. Yeah. You know, so if you see someone else with a book, start talking to them. 
what did you like? What ideas resonated with you? What do you think you may start doing? Mm-hmm. All right, and then there are questions about you know things they should support um, around you know that we can put pressure you know on the government to do, and some of yeah. them you know tie to small businesses and and HR or you know all the different topics. Nice, pretty awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> I love talking politics. So thank you guys so much for watching. Um, definitely pick it up. Consuming government. Boom. It'll be, on, it'll be in the description below. So go down, grab a copy, and uh, get involved. So everyone have a good day. Want more New Hampshire Business Show? Find us at iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and www.nhbusinessshow.com.